you're likely to get a much better strike rate by listening to the playlist that you would like to be on, taking a quick look at when that was last updated, maybe some of the recent songs that have been added. If there's a song there that you feel is similar to what you're going to send, let them know. That's going to help them out a lot because if they if it's on their playlist, no doubt they like that track. And then as they're listening, if if they agree, they're going to be grateful that you sent them a great track and they're more likely to actually place that and more happy to speak with you. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm excited to be here today with Mike Warner. Mike is a music industry executive with over 20 years of experience. He's the director of artist, label, and DSP relations at Chartmetric. If you haven't heard of Chartmetric before, it's a really awesome music analytics tool. You should definitely go check it out. Mike has been featured on CNBC, South by Southwest, and the Electronic Music Conference. He wrote a book called Work Hard, Playlist Hard. And so uh, today, thought it would be great to, to geek out a little bit and talk about uh, playlists and, and really how to be successful with getting on play, playlists for your music. And specifically, what do you do? What are the right things that lead to getting on playlists in the first place? So Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Thank you, Michael. I'm excited to be here and you know, really grateful for this opportunity. I know that we've been talking about this for some time and like we said before, pre-call, you know, the universe worked in our favor and here we are today. So really grateful and excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. We were just talking about, so we just did our first like Costa Rica retreat with Modern Musician and I was gone. We had to reschedule back a couple of times, but it seems like in every worthwhile or every good story, there's like, you know, a lot of challenges like this, it doesn't work out, but then it's like, it leads up to kind of that, that payoff moment. So that is literally the moment that everyone here is about to witness right? That's the moment post post challenge. <laughs> so not to put any like pressure and anticipation on it, but it's gotta, it's gotta be epic. So uh, Mike, I, I would love to hear just a little bit before we get started for anyone here who, who hasn't met you before, could you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about how you got to this point? Yeah, absolutely. I'll try and give you the shortest version possible and we'll see how we go. But as, as currently right now today, I'm the Director of Artist Label and DSP Relations at Chartmetric. I've also written a book called Work Hard, Playlist Hard. But prior to that, I started out as a DJ, then got into music production, then went the independent route, self-releasing, doing all of the work ourselves with my project Date Night with two friends back in Australia. Through all of that, through doing it ourselves and learning pretty much everything that we possibly could, I started to take a lot of notes and document it. And it got to the point where I was sharing it with artists, friends, friends of friends, anyone that was interested. And I realized that I enjoyed that so much more than creating music and performing. I still, I still really enjoy that. But for me, it was, I think I'm kind of the behind the scenes guy. I'm the guy that can tell people what they need to do to help them to get to that next step. And that feels way more rewarding for me than just getting on stage and, you know, having a crowd cheering as, as much fun as that is. So that's kind of why I went down this path and released the book, work hard, playlist hard and dedicate pretty much all of my spare time outside of my day job to just giving back and helping artists and just dropping little nuggets of gold as soon as I find them. And, you know, I, I just feel like it's why hold back, let's share it and let's help each other. 
Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Th- thanks for sharing that, man. And, and I think that that's a really important, in, in my mind, the way that I, that I look at your role that you, so you sort of shifted to this, you know, this coaching business and kind of helping other people with it and found this passion found this purpose in it. And in a lot of ways, I think it's similar to like a basketball player who, you know, maybe played the game of basketball for a while and then became a coach. And now is like kind of helping other basketball players. And you know, it's, not, it's not a secret that some of the most successful, like winningest coaches of all time, like John Wooden, for example, like you can be an amazing coach without necessarily having to be like Michael Jordan. And in some cases, like Michael Jordan, you know, some of the players might actually not be good coaches, right? So I think that the role of coach and mentor is such a valuable one. So I really appreciate you, you know, kind of taking that step and, and paying it forward and helping artists with this. So that being said, I, I'd love to hear a little bit about why are playlists important in the first place? So like, why should, should artists be thinking about how to get their music on, on playlists? Yeah. And you know what? It's an interesting one. I almost have to put a disclaimer now because I don't want artists to think that playlists should be their marketing plan. It should, yes. Okay. It's, it's nice to get on playlists and it can be a goal, but it shouldn't be the entire plan or the entire strategy by any means. But Mm. when I first started writing work hard, playlist hard, the first edition Playlists was massive. It was a huge buzzword and everyone was like, I want to get on playlists. I'll do whatever it takes, basically. Now it's the playlist market is so saturated. Everyone is doing what they've now learned as far as outreach and things like that. So what can, what can we do beyond just sending cold emails and sending DMs and things like that? So it's, it's, it's been interesting because it's been really challenging, especially during the last year. So I guess not to sort of steer away from the question of, you know, the difficulties that artists, I I see some artists face in the early stages, but I just tell artists straight up, I go, look, you can't be still writing a track and thinking about what playlist it's going to go on. You can't have anything that is going to mess with your creative process. You need to just finish this song and then we can worry about release strategy and yes, sure, playlists and everything else like that. But you shouldn't be thinking about that in the early stages. It's the same with artists that say, I'm going to write a song that's going to make me a bunch of money. I go, if you could do that, you know, more power to you. But the reality is that that's not going to be the case. You're going to be thinking about every single part of that song and you're going to be thinking about dollar symbols. So you know, if an artist is in that state of mind, I usually say maybe you shouldn't be doing music while you're thinking like this because you need to love what you do first and foremost and you need to not be thinking about the money and the playlists and everything else yet. That's probably the first thing that I see when an artist comes to me. You know, they haven't even released music yet and they're already thinking about that side of the business. Mm. That is a really powerful one, huh? like, you know, not getting distracted by the outcome and, and being able to just kind of enjoy the process. It seems like that's a, almost like a superpower in general, you know, like being able to, but, but at the same time, I mean, I'm curious to like how you kind of, how you blend those two things together. That's one thing that's always kind of fascinated me is like how we can both, you know, have goals that we're moving towards, that we're passionate about, that, that we're looking to achieve in the future but also at the same time be grounded in the present moments and appreciate and be grateful for what you have. Cause sometimes those things seem like a little bit at odds with each other. So what's your, your process for like goal setting and how do you, how do you make sure that, cause on the, on the other side of too, if, if someone didn't have any goals, they might be like, well, I'm just going to create music and, and maybe there's, it's lacking like a real like direction that they're kind of moving in. So how, how do people kind of find that right balance? Yeah. You know, I mean, going beyond 
setting realistic expectations with someone, you know, then the goals, you, you need to enjoy the journey. You need to enjoy the entire process. So, you know, you map it out and you say, let's say you're uploading the song today. It comes out in eight weeks from today. Great. Now we've got an eight week plan that we can spread this out so that you're not burning yourself out with this track. One thing I always tell artists is I say that, believe it or not, the majority of the work happens before the song comes out. Once the song is out, that's when everyone starts to see it and starts to hear about it and all of that a lot more. But the majority of the work is happening pre-release. What I always say is I say, you need to do all these things yourself, at least initially, so you understand how it works and things like that. But if there's something that really pains you and you just don't enjoy it and it's sucking the fun out of the process for you, once you've attempted it yourself, you might be able to find someone else to help with you. So if it's social media, get someone to help you out, you know, with getting those posts scheduled, you know, it's not that hard to go and do a photo shoot with 10 different outfit changes and spread those out over the year and things like that. And, you know, the same things with editorial playlist pitching, which I'm sure we're going to touch on today. There's a number of different ways that you can now pitch to different streaming platforms. And that needs to happen at least two weeks out. Sometimes four weeks out is best because it has more time for it to travel around, get heard by more people, potentially get programmed prior to the release. So all of these things, I mean, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people that have outlined these steps and they've got their own cheat sheets, if you will, as well, that they'll pull out for each release. Some people will think that certain things are more important than others as well. So it's, it's always going to be unique to the artist. You know, I'm not going to tell an artist, Hey, you need to spend two weeks working on TikTok if they're absolutely terrified of getting in front of the camera and they don't feel creative and they don't know anyone that could help them with that. There's definitely a bunch of other things that they can be doing as well to help in the lead up to that release. Mm. That's probably a big one for me is trying to figure out how to get better at dancing so I can finally master uh, TikTok. Just kidding. No, I don't think anyone would want to see, see me doing a dance on TikTok. My wife is a professional dancer. I'm like the most awkward dancer ever. But so yeah, I feel you also, on that one. Same. Yeah, that's good good to know. So it sounds like what you're saying is that you know, a big part of the a big part of the process is also realizing that when the release comes out, like that's at that point you should have done a lot of the legwork already in terms of uh, preparation and reaching out to the right people and that there's uh, some different you know, types of cheat sheets and different things that you can kind of help help guide you in that process but i would love to hear a little bit about you know, you having experience and seeing multiple people, different people's cheat sheets and and like you mentioned there's probably some people that kind of value certain actions more than other ones and they can, there's things that are different then there's also probably some kind of common patterns or like underlying things that like all of them basically say to do that maybe we could just do like a quick like bird's eye view of the release strategy and like what you'd recommend basically for everyone regardless of who they are if they're getting ready to release a song let's say like a couple months from now yeah, definitely. I mean, let's just fast forward to the point where the song is mixed and mastered and it sounds great and you're ready, you upload it to your distributor or whoever you're working with will get that uploaded with a release date set. Perfect. What usually happens a few days after that is that you can log into Spotify for Artists, Amazon Music for Artists. Uh, there's a number of other platforms now as well where you can log in and you can pitch that release in advance. So if it's an album, you pick one song from the release. If it's a single, you pitch that. And you can start to populate all this information about the song. Now, the reason you want to do this as early as possible is there's a number of benefits. Uh, if we're talking Spotify specifically, 
the earlier you submit, the more time it has to get passed around to people within the editorial team. And there's edit, there's hundreds, if not thousands of people that work in editorial around the world now. So it can take some time for your song to travel to get heard by the right person. And they place prior to release as well. So they'll have the track queued up ready the day it comes out, it could end up on a playlist because you gave enough lead time. The other one is if it's a new original song you've never released before and you've submitted at least one week prior, in this case, much more than that, it will go into release radar for all of your followers. So if you have 500 followers, it's going into release radar for 500 people. So that's another way that you can potentially reach those followers and let them know you've got a new track out. With Amazon, they have some interesting features on their editorial submission form they just added in Amazon Music for Artists where you can tag mood, genre, things like that, but you can also say, here's three artists that sound just like me or just like this track. And so what you're doing is you're basically saying, hey, related artists gets messed up from time to time. Here's who I actually sound like. So let's try to deliver my music to fans of these artists as well. And let's see how it goes with them. So that's been really interesting to see. And another thing that hopefully no one ever has to do this, but if you're listening and you dropped a new track a few days ago, Amazon Music for Artists will let you pitch for editorial playlist consideration up to two weeks after the song has been released as well. So you can pitch before it comes out, but you can also pitch up to two weeks after it's been released now. So anyone that's maybe wasn't aware of this and you've just released that song, log into Amazon Music for Artists, you may still have an opportunity to pitch. And beyond playlists, Amazon Music also have radio programming and they have endless listening and things like that. So there's other places that your music may get delivered to listeners beyond just ending up on a playlist. For anyone that hasn't really paid attention to this, radio within most of these streaming platforms is delivering significant numbers of listeners, especially in the last year. I've noticed it's just increased like crazy. I think a lot of people, maybe we weren't in our cars as much listening to radio. So we were just putting it on a station. We knew what we wanted to listen to, but we didn't know a specific artist or track. So that's really been a big focus as well that I've seen lately beyond playlists. I feel like I keep saying beyond playlists, but it all comes back <laughs> beyond to playlists. playlists. That's like a nice name for a course or something beyond playlists. Cool, man. So one follow-up question. So it sounds like you know, leading up to the leading up to the release, you have this window of opportunity where you want to make sure that you are reaching out to the editorial playlist for you know, Spotify, for Apple Music, and for Amazon, Amazon for Artists. And even with Amazon for Artists, you actually have a week or two after to to respond, which is really cool. Any tips for people? when they're doing that initial like submission process to improve their odds of getting selected for those editorials? Yeah, absolutely. One thing you need to keep in mind for anyone that's been job searching recently, SEO is massive. It's getting to the point now where humans can't possibly catch up with everything that is coming through. So they're looking for keywords. It's safe to assume that this is also happening with editorial teams. They need help shortlisting what they should listen to because there's only so many hours in the day and there's 70,000 songs per day getting delivered in the US alone right now. But I should mention not everyone is filling out the submission forms. So keep that in mind. Yes, you, it still has to be something that you can read 
<laughs> it can't just be a bunch of keywords thrown into the description, but <laughs> try to include those words, try to include those feelings, emotions, moods, genres, maybe similar artists. What's the theme of the music as well? Things like that. That's going to really help. And one thing I actually did with a few of my releases, I wrote a book, yes, but as far as crafting something that is going to hook people <laughs> when talking about a song, I'm not the best with words in that case. So what I actually did was I went to the songwriter and I said, look, you wrote the lyrics. You know what these mean better than anyone. How would you feel about writing just a few sentences about the track? And within minutes, I got something that to me, it was like poetry. I was like, this is perfect. This makes me want to listen, even though I've heard this song a hundred times. And I would say definitely don't hesitate to reach out to the person that actually wrote the lyrics, if it's not yourself. Beyond that, get someone who's really good with words and who has probably never heard the song before because it's not out yet and just play it to them and just say, look, here's a pen and paper. Just write down what you feel, what you think when you hear this. And you might be able to get a really good first impression from someone else as well. But yeah, this sounds crazy that we even need to mention this, but punctuation, spelling, grammar, all of that, extremely important because someone is still looking at this and reading it eventually. And that can make a big difference. If it looks like it was rushed and it looks like mid-sentence, you just stopped and hit the submit button, that's going to show. So keep that in mind as well. And whatever words you type, there's no reason why you can't copy and paste this in your submissions for all of the other platforms as well. So it's going to be worthwhile. It may even be strong enough that you'll use it in social media posts as well to let people know about the track and describe it before they press the play button and listen. Cool. Awesome. That's super valuable. And uh, one one follow-up question when it comes to, you mentioned that like part of the process is you do it in a natural way, but finding out what are like the keywords that sort of represent your music and represent similar artists that might help you to get in front of the right people. Are there any tools or would you recommend any tools specifically that make it really easy to kind of just find the right words to describe the mood of the music or like the keywords or things like that for specific artists? Not tools that I've tested enough that I feel confident sharing, but I should mention that in these forms now, you can actually start typing part of a word and it will help you. So if you type piano or you type soul or you type children's or whatever it is, you're going to be able to see all of the genre mood options that are available to choose from. I know that there's some people that have gone as far as actually grabbing that entire list and putting it into a document and just like studying it like crazy, which to, honestly, it's not a bad idea because, you know, there's some people that feel that they have a really niche genre of music and a lot of these genres are now being represented and they are available when you fill out these forms. And if there's not as many people as you releasing music within that genre, you should definitely be filling out that form and tagging that because that person may not have as many songs in that genre that they're listening to. So they, you know, there might be a good opportunity that they, they can get to yours and they can listen and they find a home for it. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians, and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, 
Or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our Music Mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire Music Mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight Series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast for the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's super interesting. I think there's a, a lot of you know power and just words in general, right? Like how we communicate mm -hmm. and even just like the way that languages, certain languages that have words for certain things and other languages don't have the words. Literally, they just don't even observe the thing in their lives because they don't have a word to describe it. So I think the idea that you just shared with like actually listing all the words and kind of studying, going through and like circling all the ones that describe you or your music would probably be really illuminating for you too, just to be like, oh yeah, like I, I am chill or like I am like blank, blank, blank. And some of those, maybe even just having a database or having a list of those for your music could be really helpful to kind of come back to and, and to be able to, you know, do some stuff with the algorithms to make sure that you're reaching the right people with your songs. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing with this is we're talking about keywords in written form, but a lot of these services now are going into the world of voice and voice requests. And it's getting to the point now where a lot of people are requesting music playlists, stations using their voice. So I always say, keep that in mind as well, that there's words that we may say that we may not necessarily type. So I would challenge anyone or maybe encourage is a better word anyone to just go up to someone and say, tell me the words that come to mind when you hear this, because they're going to say words that they wouldn't necessarily write on a piece of paper as well. And that could be helpful too. Uh, the other thing that I should mention is uh, in this timeline that we're leading up to the release, voice is extremely important. As I just mentioned, it's getting to the point now where Amazon, Apple, and a number of other platforms have voice-only plans, which means that you can access Amazon or Apple Music, but you can only access using your voice. So if you can't request that artist or that album or that song because you don't know how to pronounce it correctly, you're, you're actually missing out on people that can't listen to your music on those voice-specific subscriptions. So what you can do now is when you distribute your music, however you distribute it, you can also work with that person and say, we want to make sure the correct pronunciation 
is delivered with our music. Here is how it is said. Here is a breakdown by syllable. And that can get delivered to all of these platforms. So all of these voice assistants know when people say this exact name that they're referring to this artist. And that's going to help you a lot because now you're not just having to tell people, hey, when you get home, go and uh, log into your favorite music streaming app and type our name out. Here's how you spell it. And then scroll down. Maybe we're number five in the list and it'll be a picture of us drinking coffee. Tap on that and then click play and follow. Now you can simply say, hey, everyone, want to make sure you hear our music? Simply say, Alexa, follow date night on Amazon Music. Done. It's as easy as that. So just by making sure that you've got that pronunciation delivered as well, you've made it easier for people to follow you. And you've also made your music available to people on those voice only subscriptions as well. Wow. That's super cool. I didn't know that there's a way to like submit, submit the correct pronunciation for that. Yeah. You know, where, where did you say is the place to, to do that to make sure that they have the right uh, pronunciation for your music? Yeah. So let's say you, you know, 100% independent, you're working with one of the independent distributors, usually just contacting them. Some of them now have a form where you can actually submit it as well, the same way that you would add lyrics to your music. And lyrics, I should mention, is another big thing that you want to get in prior to the release. There's a number of benefits. Yes, the lyrics will show when your song is playing in many of these streaming platforms, Spotify have lyrics back now finally as well. And then when people are listening on the app on their phone, on their TV, on their, uh, you know, their Echo Show device in their house, for example, the lyrics can also play in time with the music, kind of like a karaoke feature. Mm -hmm. But what I really like about this is that people can speak or sing part of the lyrics to your song. They may not know the song title or the artist, but they can say, hey, Alexa, play the song that goes and then they speak or sing part of the lyrics and they'll get your song that way, which is another way that once again, you can reach them, but you could also have someone who says, I'm looking for a song that has the lyrics. We're getting married today or something like that. And, you know, it's almost SEO with vocals, lyrics. And yes, people can also type part of those lyrics into their music streaming platform as well so they can actually find your song by typing part of the lyrics as many people are aware with tiktok you get five seconds of a song stuck in your head if somebody didn't use the original audio it can be really hard to find out what that is you can just punch in those lyrics and you'll be able to find that super smart so we talked a lot about like editorial playlists and how to improve your chances of, get, of getting on those. What are your thoughts around other types of playlists and what's the strategy for, you know, just playlisting in general, aside from the editorial playlist? Yeah, sure. So a lot of people would refer to it as third party playlists or independent playlists slash curators. So for anyone that's not clear, these are not curated by people that work at Spotify or Apple or Amazon. These are people that have an account, they're a listener and they've created the playlist and they've made it public and people, anyone can follow it and listen. Sometimes brands will go and do this as well, of course, and record labels, et cetera. There is still value in a lot of these playlists, but I want people to be aware that it is very, very saturated right now. You know, it's not like it was five years ago or maybe more where someone curates a playlist, you find it, you send them an email, they're happy to hear from you, they reply instantly. Now it's getting to the point where there's 
people that are getting hundreds of emails every day, DMs, things like that from artists, just listen to my music, listen to my music. There's definitely nothing wrong with doing this and it can help. But my advice to artists that are going to go down that route is to spend more time researching and crafting individual outreach as opposed to just doing a bulk mail out to everyone. The reason is, in my experience doing this, you can usually only get one shot and then you might end up going to someone's other folder. So if you send a song that doesn't work within their playlists, they're probably not going to listen to anything else you send. If you send an email and they're clearly BCC'd with a hundred other people or even worse, they're on, on CC and not BCC <laughs> and they can see everyone else you've sent it to, they're going to realize that, you know, it's not personalized whatsoever. So I always say, instead of sending 100 emails per day or anything crazy like that, if you've got the time, send five or 10 and you're likely to get a much better strike rate by listening to the playlist that you would like to be on, taking a quick look at when that was last updated, maybe some of the recent songs that have been added. If there's a song there that you feel is similar to what you're going to send, let them know that's going to help them out a lot because if they, if it's on their playlist, no doubt they like that track. And then as they're listening, if, if they agree, they're going to be grateful that you sent them a great track and they're more likely to actually place that and more happy to speak with you. I know I've seen artists that have gone as far as sending an email out to, I'm going to give some some not so good examples and then some good ones. But I've seen artists that have sent emails out, obviously, as I mentioned, to maybe 50, 100 recipients all in the same email. That's a terrible idea because everyone else is seeing each other's email addresses. Someone hits reply all and everyone gets it. Not a good experience uh, for anyone. I've seen artists that have attached large WAV files over 100 megabytes in size to an email, which not everyone has unlimited data. I've seen artists that include pages and pages of information and multiple links. By all means, in the future, that may be requested, but right now you're just trying to get that one song to them. So some good examples I've seen is very short emails, very to the point, um, you know, without quoting it word for word as such along the lines of, hey, name, I've been listening to your playlist on whatever platform. And as a result, I found a song that I really like. I've actually released a similar song that just came out this week. And I'd love to share that with you for consideration. If you have a formal submission process, please let me know as I would be happy to follow it. And what I find by doing that is that it's very short. And this is something that's important. The shorter the email or the message, the more likely and the quicker someone will reply. I'm guilty of this. If I get a really long email from someone, I push it to the side because I feel like I need to give them a, a reply that's just as long. Whereas if I get a short email and it's a question or it's just a link, I'm like, okay, I may as well just do this right now and reply. And then I can archive this email or whatever I need to do. That is going to be much more appreciated. And if that person is interested, they will write back and say, hey, could you send me a little more info about yourself? Could you send me, do you have a presser, a one sheet? Do you have a, a short bio, anything like that? And I'm sure you've got that ready. You know, other outreach I've seen, which has worked really well is as an artist, maybe you curate your own playlist. Maybe you started the playlist, let's say on Spotify, 
and you've included a bunch of music from other artists that you look up to that create similar music, let them know that you've added them to your playlist. That way you're reaching out to them initially with great news. You're just telling them, hey, just want to let you know, big fan of your music. I curate this playlist and I've added your song to it. Here's a link if you want to check it out. I guarantee, I don't guarantee, but you're going to see a much more positive response and a much better response rate by doing that as long as it's actually a good fit for their song on your playlist and they can see that your playlist is well curated, you're likely to get an email back with a thank you. They may even share your playlist on social media. They may even follow you as a result. And then you can be sure that the next time you reach out to them, if you go, hey, just letting you know, I've actually released a new song now as well. And I just wanted to share a link with you to take a listen. That could lead to you ending up on their playlist as well. So I have seen a lot of this with artists. They could all be with the same record label or they could all be within the same city or whatever it is where each of them will have their own playlist. And whenever someone releases something that's a good fit, they all put it in there and support each other. So that is a really good way to do it and to get someone's attention by coming to them with good news and telling them that you've done something for them as opposed to asking them to do something for you. So that was some examples of some not so good outreach and, and a good ways to do outreach as well. And the only other one I would say is that for every artist, you should definitely curate a playlist yourself first before you start reaching out to anyone else. Because when people find your music, like myself as a, as a music lover, when I hear something I like, I go directly to that artist's profile. If they don't have an album released yet, I'll see if they've got a playlist with all of their catalog, their discography, and I'll just press play and I'll just let it roll and see if there's any other music from them I like. And that one stream could turn into a stream of every track in your catalog as well. And not only that, but if I like what I'm hearing, I'll probably follow that in the same way that I'll follow your profile. Mm. That's so good, man. I mean, there's definitely some mic, mic drop moments in there. Mike <laughs> Warner, mic drops, there we go. The idea to you know curate your own playlist and to reach out to similar artists that are around your size, maybe slightly bigger, people that you might want to go on tour with, and using it as a way to connect with them is actually giving them the good news that you added them to your playlist. That's brilliant, dude. Really, really cool idea. And then, yeah, definitely the idea that yeah, other artists having their own playlists and then being able to sort of cross-promote each other, like bees cross-pollinating th through that way, super awesome. And, and it sounds like... You know, the reach out process is, you know, to be a good, <laughs> a good human. It's like the same reach out process for everything is like, don't spam people, you know, actually pay attention, like care about personalization and making sure that you're not just, you know, sending the same message to a hundred different people, but you're actually focusing on trying to make it as valuable for them as possible, keeping it short and sweet and maybe having a quick, quick question. Awesome. Would you, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts around, I know there are a lot of different platforms now that are coming up around like you know, that are kind of helping to curate playlist owners and trying to kind of facilitate the connection between artists and those playlist owners. Are there any in particular that you'd recommend or what are your thoughts around those like playlist, the curators of the curators? <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of different ones out there. I guess if we want to talk about one of the originals that's still around today, SubmitHub. Back in the day, SubmitHub was more blog focused than anything else. You know, you would, you want to get on Hype Machine, you want to go up the charts on Hype Machine, you could find Hype Machine blogs on SubmitHub. 
That's still relevant now, by the way. A lot of curators uh, in the editorial teams at the streaming platforms still look at blogs, still look at Hype Machine, still go on SoundCloud and listen to pre-release links. They're still trying to find music the same way that we are now as well. But Submit Hub will essentially give the curators a score and say, here's how many followers they have. They have a Spotify playlist. They have a blog. They have a YouTube channel. And some of them you can submit and there's no cost. And some of them you may spend a few dollars to get them to listen within, I believe it's 48 hours. And if they don't listen, you get some of that money back. One thing I would say is if you're a little sensitive to feedback, just be careful because you have to remember that some people are listening for 30 seconds and they have no connection to you personally. So they're just going to tell you something straight. And it may not always be helpful or constructive or positive, but if you're okay with that, then it is a really good starting point. Outside of that, there's a number of other platforms. I haven't really experimented with them enough to feel comfortable mentioning them, but there are platforms that do different things. There are ones like Submit Hub, which will say, we're going to help you find curators and we're going to help connect you with them. And surely there's some cost involved and things like that. And then there's ones that say, you pay us a set amount of money and we have a network of curators and we're going to put it in front of them. And the incentive for them to listen is they get paid to listen and to give feedback. And the incentive for you is that you're reaching curators that don't want to be reached by email or direct message. They want to get paid for their time by listening to your music and giving feedback, regardless of if they added or not. What I've just mentioned is generally okay, but I do just want to touch on the ones that are not as okay. Basically, if you ever have anyone that guarantees you a number of streams or guarantees playlist placements and things like that, especially if they've never even heard your song, be very careful. What is happening is that there's a number of different ways and this changes all the time. So you may have somebody reach out to you and tell you that for a certain amount of money, you're going to get a certain amount of streams or you're going to get on a certain amount of playlists guaranteed. Another thing is you might end up on a playlist that you never reached out to someone and you look in the description and they say, hey, email us here. You email them and they say, yes, we put you on that playlist for two days. So you would notice if you would like to stay on there, you need to pay us. The other thing that can happen is that there's people out there that will just say, X number of streams for X amount of dollars. It's very, very, very likely that they have control over where those streams are coming from, which means it could be a bunch of old iPhones strapped up to the wall, playing music on loop all day, every day. Now, a lot of artists say, well, what's the problem with that? It's just inflating my numbers to make me look better. Like I maybe would have done on social media. You know, some people, yes. There are, there are people that will buy followers on Instagram or Twitter or places like that. There's no real punishment for that because you're not making money when you post on those platforms. The punishment would be that those followers will just get removed if they're not real followers. With music streaming, you're making money from those streams. So they don't want to pay that if it's not a real person listening and they don't know how to find that person to punish them. So the really sad part is that the artists who may not be aware of this are the ones that will get punished. And I've used this example before and it's kind of terrible, but think back to school where 
one kid in the class did something wrong and the teacher doesn't know who it was. So they punished the entire class. You know, imagine that it's like that and there's some CD person that is taking money for streams and there's a room full of artists. The artists are going to get punished and that person is just going to go and start up business under a different name the next day. So all we can do is instead of trying to name them when they keep changing is just educate artists and just say, look, I understand you want to invest your money into your growth, but there's so many other better, safer ways that you can do this that won't lead to uh, absolute worst case. Your music gets removed from these streaming platforms and you may even be on a list now where you can't re-release music on streaming platforms as your artist name anymore. Your distributor may even drop you and say, we, we can't work with you anymore because of this. So any growth that you had, any numbers that you saw will disappear and then it will just drop all the way back down and you're back at where you started, but you're even worse now because you can't re-release what you had out before and you basically have to start again with a new name. So definitely avoid that. Some people refer to it as payola. Some say playola. Whatever it is, if you're paying for something that's guaranteed, I would be very, very careful. And I always encourage artists. I say, go onto blogs, go onto Reddit, ask other artists, just say, did you work with someone to help you to get on those playlists? What was the experience like? And that's really going to help. And, you know, I... If you go on a blog and you type in the name of one of these services, you're going to see a lot of people talking about their experiences and you're going to work out very quickly if, if it's actually legit or not. Super good advice. Absolutely. Have you ever read the book, The Sneetches by Dr. Seuss? I have not. Do you, do you remember that book? I mean, it's I probably read it when I was like three or four years old. My parents read it to me and now we have our uh, three-year-old son who we've been reading it to most nights. And long story short, like the premise of the book is that there's these two kinds of sneeches. Some of them have stars on their bellies. And because they have stars, they're like, we're the best kind of sneech on the beaches. And so they like, you know, have their own like little click and all the ones without stars. Are like, oh man, I wish we had stars. <laughs> then one day there's this Sylvester McMonkey McBean. who's like the salesman. He like pops up. He's like, Hey, you want stars on your bellies? Just pay me $10 and I'll get you stars. So they like wow. go through this machine. They get star stars on their bellies. And then they're like, Hey, like we have stars now too. And then the ones that stars at first are like, oh man, like you know, now they have stars. Like, you know, how do we know who's who? And then Sylvester McMonkey McBean comes. He's like, well, you know, pay me ten dollars, and I'll take off your stars on your bellies because they're no longer in style. You don't want stars. So like, they kind of wow. go back and forth, and like, eventually, all their money is gone. The salesman leaves, and they realize the stars didn't really mean anything. <laughs> and it was like a beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful story, but such a good correlation to what you're talking about right now too. I think when it comes to things like paying for streams or paying for like fake followers or, or likes, where they're sort of it's like you know paying to put the star on your belly, and you know, like the stars, they, they don't necessarily represent. Like, if they don't have any real substance, then it's just a star. It's just like something put on your belly. It's not the most important thing. So that's really really good advice. And it sounds like even especially. With streaming, you want to be super, super careful with it because you know now it's not just something where those followers might get removed, but also it's like illegal, and you know you could face other ramifications based on based on doing that. Yeah, mm. awesome. yeah. I should I should mention that you won't go to jail for it um, or anything like that, but the punishment for many artists would be far worse. You, you know, I mean, you could you you have to start again. And what's really heartbreaking is there have been some artists that have just said. No, 
that that was it that was it for me and that's heartbreaking to hear that they're no longer pursuing music because of that experience especially when they weren't aware of what they were what they were participating in yeah that is heartbreaking so how about before we wrap up one one last question that i would have for you in regards to playlists that was one thing that you mentioned earlier was the tagline, you know, beyond, beyond playlists. <laughs> and, you know, we talked a little bit about like kind of the pros of playlists and, and the opportunity there and how to do it in the right way. But also I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about, you know, quote unquote, beyond playlists and, you know, kind of how these fit holistically into like a, a bigger picture music career. What are, what are some of the other things that someone might want to be paying attention to that are going to kind of align with the playlist that they're getting that in order to get the most out of the playlist opportunities, they should also be doing this? Oh, wow. So, you know, I realized... That's kind of a big question. That was like a big question to end things with. No, that's great. Um, I can't believe I didn't even realize this when I was saying Beyond Playlists, but I recently did a workshop that's up on YouTube and LinkedIn that's called Beyond Playlists. And it's, I guess the title changed that many times it slipped my mind, but basically it's all about all of the tools that the major streaming platforms provide to artists that I don't believe artists are aware of and should be and should be using. And so, yes, you know, obviously playlists is one of the, one of the goals, but beyond that, it's things such as the Twitch integration with Amazon music. You can go live within both, both, both apps together. When you go live on Twitch, it goes live to your artist profile and Amazon Music. Spotify have their concert integrations as well with Songkick and Spotify allow you to sell merch through Merch Bar and now you can link your Shopify account. I definitely encourage artists to, if you have a logo, if you have any kind of artwork that you've ever created, upload it because you can get it on a t-shirt without even having to buy any stock. Uh, it can be print and ship on demand. There's a lot of social sharing options. There's Apple Music have what's called milestones where they create social media graphics that you can post that you can use to announce a new release. Maybe you got a large number of Shazams in a specific country or you reached a new uh, milestone as far as listeners. They'll create that for you with the graphic and they'll even give you the text so you can copy and paste that and they'll even give you a link. So they've done all the work for you to share that on social media. Another thing I did just want to touch on very quickly, you know, because we were doing the whole pre-release cycle is pre-ads and pre-saves. A number of, there's a number of ways that you can do this. And yes, there are third-party products that will do it for you where people will go to a form, they'll put in their email address, they'll sign in with their streaming account. On the day that that album or single is released, it will be saved into their library. And they'll also follow you on that streaming platform. That's cool. I would say don't run a competition or do something that would encourage everyone to just go and fill out that form and do it. You only want true fans that actually listen to your music and your style of music. Otherwise, you're likely to mess up all the algorithms. The other thing that I wanted to mention is I've had people say to me, oh, Apple Music don't have pre-ads. And I go, well, actually they do. And they support it in platform. But the way that it works is let's say you've got an album coming out, you've put it up with your distributor. You would then contact your distributor and say, I've got this album that's coming out on this date. I would like to set X number of tracks as instant grat tracks or instant gratification tracks. What this does is two things. If we're talking Apple 
it will make those tracks available prior to the album coming out, which means that people will go to your artist page in Apple Music and it will say, new album coming out on this date, add to your library now. They can go to that album and some of the songs won't be grayed out and they can listen to them immediately while they're waiting for your album to drop. The other side of that is in iTunes, and yes, iTunes does still exist. There's a setting to turn it back on in Apple Music. In iTunes, if people pre-order the album, they will get those tracks available instantly as instant downloads, and then they'll still get the full album on release day as well. So that's a great way to actually encourage people to pre-add your album in Apple Music, and they will get a notification as soon as that album goes live because they've added that to their library in Apple Music. And one extra thing I've seen with that is I've seen some artists go as far as saying new albums coming out in six months from now, every three to four weeks, we're going to drop a new track from the album so that all of our fans get a notification that a new song is available on this album to listen to now. And it just keeps building up the hype to that album and you're dropping each track individually as well. And that does work with Spotify too. So if you have an album that's coming out and you have a few songs that you've released previously, when you, when you deliver that to your distributor, include the existing ISRC that was attached to those songs, grab the link to that album on Spotify. Anyone that follows that link will see the album. Some tracks will be grayed out, but the rest of them will be available to stream immediately and people can click save. So they don't even need to do one of those pre-add or pre-save forms from one of those products if they don't want to that was kind of long-winded but i just wanted to get that out there as well because i've had a lot of questions about that recently that's super helpful yeah no that's that's definitely a question that that i was wondering about too is just like how to package the single releases in combination with like a album release so that's really cool so it sounds like you can actually you know plan the the full ep or the full album release but actually have individual songs from there that you're either releasing separately or if you did it on spotify you can you can take the pre-released ones you can add them to it so that there's sort of that that hybrid rollout so you can kind of build up momentum to the full release cool man well hey this has been it's been a lot of fun uh, i really appreciate you coming on here and i always i mean australian accent there's something that just is very uh, comforting about, about about hearing your accent so <laughs> i could have this conversation for like four or five hours probably but for anyone that's uh, listening or watching this right now who would like to learn more connect more with what what you're doing where's the best place for them to go to check check out more of your stuff yeah sure so in terms of social media i'm most active on linkedin and a lot of people find that interesting, but if you see me on there, you'll understand why. I think it's a really good place for creators right now. And you can find me at linkedin.com slash in slash ask Mike Warner. And outside of that, everything that I'm doing, the book and workshops and hopefully in-person events soon and things like that, conferences, you can find out all of that at workhardplaylisthard.com. Awesome. Yep. So like always, we'll throw all the links in the show notes to make it as easy as possible. But uh, thanks again, man. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate this. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take the music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.